0: I think it was great. I was able to pass the exam fairly early in my career, and that was a huge benefit. I encourage anyone to try to do it, the earlier you do it, the better.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the accounting careers podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA, and your host for this podcast, Well, for this week's episode, we have Jocelyn Hill joining us from Williams Adley & Company in the Washington, D.C. area. I really enjoyed this particular interview. First of all, we haven't had a partner from an accounting firm on the show in a while, and Jocelyn has been with Williams Adley & Company for over 25 years. They were only about 20 employees when she joined the practice, and now they're at about 70 team members. Employee count fluctuates a little in their world, which is the government contracting space, but that's also what makes this an interesting story. Their firm is niched in the government field. They do audits for organizations such as the FBI, the DEA, and several others like that. It's really fascinating stuff, actually. And if that wasn't enough, we also get into Jocelyn's love for the arts. She's quite the enthusiast when it comes to theater, museums, live music, and even movies. That was a really fun discussion to have. This episode truly does have a lot of variety. If you do enjoy and learn something from this show, please let us know by sharing it out on social media or leaving us a review, whatever you're more comfortable with. We always appreciate that. And I know I haven't mentioned it much recently, but someone asked me about it here just a couple days ago, so I wanted to bring this up also. We also have books on Amazon. Probably the most popular one is 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. That's geared towards individuals earlier on in their career. But we also have 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter. And for employers, we have Hiring for Accounting, which is a comprehensive e-book or an e-guide to help employers in their direction on hiring and filling important accounting jobs. Make sure to check all those out if they'd be of benefit to you, of course. Any sharing you feel compelled to do is much appreciated, whether it's books or the podcast. We just appreciate being mentioned. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's interview. You are really going to enjoy this one. Here's Jocelyn Hill from Washington, D.C. with Williams, Adley & Company.
2: Well, hello, Jocelyn. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello, Mark. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem.
2: We'll have fun with this. Well, for the audience, I am very happy to be able to bring you our guest for today. We've had many individuals with sort of non-traditional career paths on the show recently, but we haven't had any recently that are at the level that most of us or many of us aspire to early in our careers. That of being a partner. In an accounting firm. Jocelyn Hill is joining us from Williams Adley and Company in the Washington, D.C. area today. And I'm certainly not going to characterize her path as traditional because there are some unique aspects to her career that we're going to talk about. But she is a partner with a highly respected accounting firm there in the D.C. area. And she's been with the firm for a couple decades, which honestly is just wonderful to hear these days. This is going to be a good discussion for all of us. Well, Jocelyn, I definitely want to get into what you do now, but I know you didn't start there, so I want to make sure we cover your full journey. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place?
0: That's a great question. I kind of fell into accounting, believe it or not. When I was a senior in high school, I... Needed to take an elective because I had satisfied all the required courses, but I still needed to take some hours to fill the year out. So I was in my career counselor's office, and I remember this vividly, going over the list of electives that she had handed me. And I came across accounting, and I didn't know what it was. And so I said to her, what's accounting? And she did the best that she could to explain it. I think in hindsight, she did a pretty good job. And Honestly, I said, okay, I'll take that because nothing else on the list was appealing to me. Huh. And so I took the accounting class. I had a great teacher, Mr. First. Never will forget him. He made accounting interesting, if that's possible. And he just had a way of teaching a course. He made a topic that was fairly, can be complex. He made it very easy to understand and... Consequently, I loved the class. I got an A, and there was something about, I think, the level of precision and attention to detail that's required with accounting and debits and credit. And so, I don't know, I loved it. I kind of gravitated towards it, and it was a lot of fun. Fast forward to Howard University here in D.C., where I went to college, it was coming off my awesome experience having gotten this A in the class and a topic I had never heard of. And I was taking a chapter, I guess, out of my parents' books, so to speak, because they were both very successful in their careers and both uh, centered around business in one way or another. And I felt that was a safe and very positive field to go into business. And then when it came to the major, it was just an automatic at that point to do the accounting since I was coming off of my high. So that's how I ended up with an accounting major. Okay. You know,
2: the more and more of these interviews I do, I really think we in the profession need to form better ties with those high school teachers because there are so many people that went into accounting because they got a taste of it in high school. They'll oh, book is that right? Class. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, obviously, the college professors have influence as well and family members, but high school teachers are right up there also. Business teacher or a bookkeeping teacher in high school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense because I think teachers see firsthand with students in in class what their strengths are and what they gravitate to. And so they couple that with their knowledge of careers, then you're right. It's an obvious choice to kind of seek out that kind of help. And that certainly was my case. Didn't plan on it that way, but that's how it ended up.
2: So you started at KPMG for a few years, which there again, start that many people want to get on their career. How do you feel that helped you launch your career? I guess, how did that first few years in the big six, maybe at the time? (laughs) Actually, it was the
0: big eight. I'm dating myself big time. This was back in the 80s when it was the big eight. And then it jumped to, well, it went pretty quickly to six and then to four where it stayed. And so, again, I went to Howard University and their career placement program was very good. Howard is a very well-known school. And they did not have problems signing up companies to come interview at the business school. And so there was a very sophisticated program where companies would come in and interview future grads every year. And they brought public accounting firms in, manufacturing firms, private companies, even small businesses. I must admit, back then, I was a little short-sighted. I had my sights on a, on a large firm. They just have a reputation, and they, it gets talked about so much that I said, well, if I'm offered a job, I'm going to do that. So I signed up and interviewed with a few of the big eight firms and KPMG offered me a position and I took it. I didn't really give the other businesses a chance. In hindsight, I probably would, but I did take the pretty traditional path, so to speak, right out of school. Okay. As far as launching my career, I know you asked how KPMG may have helped in that way. I think what it did more than anything was give me a very good audit foundation And so in the three years that I was there, I received excellent financial statement audit training, very basic, but very good training. And then, of course, uh, participated on several audits, financial statement audits, from planning all the way through reporting. So that gave me good bird's eye view of the audit process and gave me some good perspective. It's a great foundation for those people taking the traditional path because it gives you a very good foundation to start with. And so that, that's one way it helped. Also, after that, going into other jobs after that, I mean, KPMG is a great name recognition. Any big firm is. And so that helped as well. But I think passing the CPA exam was probably the biggest plus. And at the big eight back then, if there was really no question that you would not take the CPA exam very early on in your career. It wasn't really discussed as being optional. Everybody was studying for the exam. And so you just kind of follow the crowd. You get on that bandwagon. And before I knew it, I was cracking the books and studying for the CPA exam along with everyone else. And so I think it was great. I was able to pass the exam fairly early in my career. And that was a huge benefit. I encourage anyone to try to do it. The earlier you do it, the better before you're... Life gets a little more complicated with marriage, if that's for you and kids. So I am happy that I got that out of the way early.
2: Yes. Yeah, that makes a big difference (laughs) in your career (laughs) if you can get that done. So you moved on to a place called Irving Burton Associates, and I apologize, I'm not that familiar with firms in that area, but tell us, I guess, about those years before joining where
0: you are now. Sure. So Irving Burton Associates, was a government contracting firm, and there's many, many here in DC, but a small business that had only been in business a few years by the time I got there. And there's a nice little family story around Irving Burton Associates. My father remarried, and my stepmom happened to be Irving's sister. And so when I was hiring of KPMG, the fast pace and the long hours and the culture that didn't exist, You know, I would talk to my parents, my dad and stepmom, and they always talked about IBA because coincidentally, they both worked there already. So Irving Burton, who started his own accounting firm and hired his sister and hired my father and actually hired a brother and a nephew and many others as well. But there were several family members that worked for the company, I think, which was was a nice touch. It was a very great culture, a very supportive culture. Irving, the, the owner, he was a CPA, he was an accountant, and he had started his career in army audit. And when he left the military, he tried unsuccessfully to get a civilian job, or at least the job that he wanted, that he went after. And he was a little discouraged. And my stepmom, his sister, said, why don't you start your own company? You're bright. Start your own firm. And that's what he did. And because of his military and government connections, he became a government contractor, and those relationships are huge. And so he um, was successful um, at getting some government contracts, and the company still exists today. It's under different ownership, but it just tells you the staying power of a good company. So they're still around, I believe, in Northern Virginia. Wow. Okay. So how did you end up transitioning
2: to where you are now, Williams-Adley? Because it's hard to believe that was in 1993.
0: That was a a while back. (laughs) It was a while back. It was a while back. So I worked at Irving Burton about four years, and I happened to meet Henry Adley, one of the partners at Williams-Adley Company, and I met him. I was on an assignment at uh, Irving Burton, and he was there because his company, William Sadley, had a contract at this federal agency as well, and he came in, I believe, to meet the partner, and he stopped through the audit room and looked around, and he walked over to my desk, and he basically just said, who are you? And I believe I stood out. I stood out as a minority. I was, at that time, I think I was the only minority in the room on that particular team, And so he connected with me and said, who are you? What are you doing here? And we started a good conversation and I kept in touch with him for several years. And then he called me a few times. And the second time he called me, I was ready to leave Irving Burton because I was ready for some more challenging auditing and accounting experience. And Irving Burton had great work, but not the kind of contracts that I was interested in. And so Henry called me, and I said, sure, I would come interview, and that was the beginning of that. I took the job. I accepted his verbal offer that day. He sold me on the small business that was William Sadley At the time, it was a minority-owned firm and new to the D.C. area, the headquarters of William Sadley was in Oakland, California, and Henry and Tom Williams, the other founding partner, came to Washington, D.C. to Basically, break into the federal government market. Um, they knew that it was lucrative, and there was a lot of federal work. And so they came with a strategy to break into the federal market, and that's what they did. Wow! And so I, um, I started as a supervisor. Yes, back in 1993. We're dating myself here, aren't we? 27 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> seem like that sometimes. So he hired me as a supervisor, and I worked in that role about three years, uh, mostly on. Audits for the Department of Justice. We were a subcontractor at the time, the KPMG. So I remember working on the audit of the FBI and DEA, which was very interesting. And then also, I started writing proposals back then. In fact, my first day, Henry Adley gave me a proposal to work on. I had to say, what's a proposal? What is this all about? Because my first audit assignment wasn't ready to begin at the time. So I got the experience of writing a federal proposal, which is a very unique thing in itself. And to this day, I still love to write proposals. But one thing I must say about William sadly, we're very fortunate to be able to involve ourselves in other parts of the business. It was a small business. And typical small business have limited resources, financial resources usually, and limited staff resources. And so in addition to The audit work that I did, Henry was very open to help where he could get it. And so myself and my, I'll call them my partners in crime, who are still at Williams Adley with me today, COLA, who's our managing partner in Charvette, are now our executive director. The three of us started around the same time. And, you know, we rolled up our sleeves a lot and and got our hands wet doing things like writing proposals. We did staff development. We did training of our younger staff. We did marketing. We did a little of everything. And I think in hindsight, it was just a great opportunity to develop a lot of other skills and knowledge than just the audit assignments themselves.
2: I'm just curious. So, Just more or less. How large was the firm when you started and what's it look like now?
0: (laughs) No, that's a good question. It's, it's, um, It's changed dramatically over the years. So when I started, wow, maybe about 20 to 30 employees, fairly small. Then a few years later, we won a big contract with Housing and Urban Development. And we were doing these uh, due diligence loan reviews. And so that required that we staff up and we went on a recruiting surge. And at one point, we went up to over 100 employees. And that can happen with contracting because depending on the size of the contract, the staffing may need to be expanded. And so for a while, we hovered a little over 100. And then when that contract went away, we balanced out probably around 50 So today we're about 70 employees, but it can fluctuate over the years depending on the current contracts that we
2: have. Okay. And do you still have offices in other places like California
0: or are you based in D.C. now? What's that situation? So there are two companies. Uh, The company in, in Oakland, California still remains, but they're separate corporate entities, separate ownership, and separate business practice. But if you did look in the yellow pages, you would see an Oakland office and here in Washington, D.C. And our practice here is unique in that we are a federal contractor, so that is our niche, that is our focus.
2: Okay. The experience doing the proposals does sound like a unique opportunity that you wouldn't necessarily get at that level and really preparing you to move up.
0: I was just going to say real quick, it also I learned so much about the company because in a proposal, well, When Henry handed me my assignment, he explained what it was, and then he said, and there's several proposals in the drawer that we've already written, so go ahead and read a few so you can get enough (laughs) feel for what the deliverable was supposed to be. So I did that. I read the other proposals that others before me had written, and so there I was reading the background of the company. I was reading all about the work that we did, the other professionals in the company, their background, and just basically how to sell your services to the government. And so it was a great learning opportunity. And so before I know it, I could do that 30-second elevator pitch if someone said, well, you work at William Sadley, what do you do? I could rattle it off because I had read it so many times in a proposal. So that, I think, in developing our staff. I think Cola Shabet and I, we were supervisors at the time, so we were leading the jobs. There wasn't a lot of structured training necessarily, so we did what we need to do in developing in-house training specifically for the engagements that we were going to be working on. Sometimes we would do marketing flyers. Back then, things were a little different than the social media we have now, but we helped develop our first version of our website. So we did dabble in a lot of different things. It was fun, too. I think it made it a little more interesting. At what point did you become partner? So I became partner in 2005. So I moved from supervisor after about three years, and I served for manager, I think, about four years, and senior manager about five more years. So finally, in 2005, I was admitted to the partnership, and I've been a partner for 15 years now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Time flies, doesn't it? (laughs) It actually does. It actually does fly. But it's been a great journey. It's been interesting. It's been very hands-on. I think that's another beautiful thing about the company. It's a very collaborative environment, and so it's always been a place where I think everyone felt included and we thought other people's opinion on things. So when we meet a lot, we ask for our team's perspective. We ask for their ideas and we actually consider it quite often. We're not doing it for the exercise because I think we know that we learn from others. And I think the diversity at our firm is wonderful, but it also includes diversity of thought. And so if you have different people with different backgrounds and perspectives, you're going to get ideas and input that you're not going to come up with by yourself. And so I think that's one of the refreshing things. I like to talk to a lot of the younger employees to this day because I always learn something because just being a generation away, it makes a difference in the way uh, younger people think and approach problems. And so I think that's one of the things I do love about the company. So
2: our audience comes from all over the place and I guess is at all levels, but a large part, of our audiences early in their career. And what I mean by that, most have, have at least declared the major of accounting and they're going forward in school, but many of them are you know, within one to five years out of school. So they're at that staff, maybe senior level. Given that, I mean, what would you want them to know that you enjoy about being a partner or you find fulfilling at this point in your career?
0: I think being a partner is, a lot broader than some people may know so there's the opportunity of course to serve my clients and do the work that they've hired us to do and to do it well and so that's always one of the most important things also is just the opportunity to develop our teams and help them focus their career and get the training and the experience that they need and i think Another thing people may not know about being a partner is there's a big part of running the business. So there's the front-facing part with the clients and serving the clients. There's also the, for lack of a better term, back office part, which is helping to run the business and helping to grow the business. And so I think that is most fun to me and probably a piece of being a partner that young people may not know. So we do a lot of meeting and talking about What is our strategy? What clients are we going to go after? What work are we going to go after? What kind of recruiting do we want? What universities, what colleges, and what kind of young people do we want to bring in? HR, the benefits. What do our employees need and what do they want most as far as business? How are we going to market our businesses and what's our company brand? So if you think about all of the things in the back office that run any company, I just think... Being at that table and just interacting with a bunch of very talented people, all of them smarter than me. I just think it's fun to collaborate and it's a great responsibility to have to make those decisions, to run the company and make it better than it is. But that's actually the most fun to me. And I'm not sure, you know, a lot of young students coming out of college necessarily know that. I think they know the more obvious role of a partner. Well, the partner's in charge. The partner's responsible for getting the work done, and the partner's going to talk to the client if there's a problem. But some of the other things that go into running the business are most fun for me.
2: I'm curious. I know this would just be an estimate if you can even give me an answer, but how much of your time at your level is spent on the back office versus, I guess, the I would front office?
0: <laughs> yeah, for me personally, about 50%. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about evenly split. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: I always tell people they're thinking about going out on their own, starting their own practice, that they need to only plan about half their time at the most to do the work, because it's going to take the rest of your time
0: (laughs) to to find
2: it and to run everything.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's very true. Very true. (laughs)
2: So do you have any interest, or I guess, what's your life like outside of being a partner at Williams, Adley & Company? Any interest, hobbies, anything like that that we would find interesting? Sure,
0: sure. So when I can find a little balance, personally, I love the arts. And so what I find that I do most of the time, and I drag my husband as often as he's willing, I love the movies, I love the theater, and I love live music. Maybe because I wasn't blessed with any of those creative talents. I love to go watch others perform, but I always have. And so my biggest hobbies really are to just go out and enjoy things like that. And museums is on that as well. And of course, living in BC, there's so many incredible places to go. So you'll find me at a live concert or uh, sing a play if I can, skipping off to New York on the weekend if I can do that as well. And then at home, I love interior design. I always have. My mother was an interior designer, so I think I learned that love early on. And so I spend my time decorating my home and trying to find projects and renovating room after room and changing the paint and <laughs> creating wow. uh, different spaces within my house. I know. It's fun, though. I'm getting ready to do a bath remodel, so get ready. <laughs> huh. But, yeah, so nice. I like to do that. I like to do that as well
2: you named all these it's also, it's, artistic items. I love
0: this. <laughs> I know, right? It's complete other end of the spectrum of accounting, which yes. is, uh, I don't know. I guess I've got uh, two sides of my brain working there.
2: That's neat. That's neat. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I'm just curious. Any favorite movies or favorite plays or favorite types
0: of art, periods, any, anything like that? Sure. So with theater, I love musicals. And so, Right now, Hamilton is my favorite. I don't know if you had the chance to see Hamilton. I was so happy that Disney put it live. So I think a lot more people have experienced it. But this is just an awesome musical. It's historic because they're talking about Alexander Hamilton and all of the historic things that he did, but also, but it's set to rap music and how creative is the mind to come up with something like that. It's an awesome play. I encourage everyone to listen to it. The raps are wonderful. That is a lot of fun. And I loved The Lion King. I got to see that on play. My brother-in-law happened to be in the show. He's in theater. And so that show is visually beautiful with all the costumes and the colors. And so I like things, lively things like that. Okay.
2: Hi. Right, I just, and, <laughs> you know, in 180 plus episodes, I'm not sure we've ever touched on art to this level. So this is special. Oh,
0: we'll have to talk later, Mark. Right? We can talk music. We can talk Netflix binge watching shows. We can talk <laughs> movies. <laughs> wow. Wow.
2: Well. Speaking of later, I do want to be respectful of your time. And we're coming up to the hour or so that I talked about. So we better get to the last three questions. We do have a couple minutes, though, for this. One last question before we do that. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of critical advice, what do you think
0: that might be? Well, that's a great question. I would probably say I should have done a little bit more networking, in my career. I've certainly done more recently, but I think I would have given myself that advice that all through my career, even at KPMG when I did not necessarily love the culture back then, again, I didn't find it to be a good fit, but I think I closed off too much. And so I would tell myself to develop better long-lasting relationships because it does make it a difference, that networking and knowing other professionals from other firms. And it, it's a huge plus. So that's advice I give to any young person now. And I wish I had done a little bit at that myself when I was younger. That is good advice, particularly for our audience and
2: actually particularly at this time. So thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions and it gives us a lot of consistency across the episodes. So the first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment?
0: Wow, probably being admitted to the partnership. You could probably tell just being at Williams-Badley and the experience I had, I just have a deep love for the company and have poured my blood, sweat, and tears into it over 27 years. And so it was a very proud moment to be voted in by partners that I respected very much very much and that they would think and invite me into the partnership was priceless so I would have to say that and you know the company did it in style I must admit used to spend money on these management partner management meetings back then and so we flew to an all-inclusive resort in Punta Cana for that particular summer management meeting and that's where I was admitted to the partnership there at a very nice ceremony. So it was a great time. That was certainly my proudest moment.
2: Wow. That is classy. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was very classy. Very classy.
2: (laughs) Well, second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you're willing to tell us or that you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how everybody learns from these.
0: You know, every time someone asks me a question like that, I come back to the same moment. It has stuck with me uh, for years. So when I worked with IBA, I mentioned Irving Burton, I was asked by the CEO if I wanted to attend an executive meeting with me, with him. He just kind of stopped me in the hallway one day and said, hey, you know, I'm going to be, I don't remember the specific details, but I'm going to be having a meeting and wanted to know if you want to fit in. And I was new to the company at the time, and I was taken a little off guard by his question. And I remember thinking, why does he even want me to come to this meeting? It just escaped me. And ridiculous as it sounds, I said no. And so I could kick myself because I didn't really ask him any questions. Why do you want me to come to the meeting? What's the meeting about? What are you expecting of me at the meeting? I didn't do any of that. I just, I guess out of fear or I'm not sure I just said no. And so I regret that because in hindsight, he obviously saw something in me or thought to himself, I'd like her to come to this meeting. And I didn't explore that. I didn't ask him that. And guess what? He never asked me again. And so you never know what opportunities lay in front of you or what people may have in mind for you and so I would tell anyone don't act out of fear don't turn down an opportunity and I certainly learned that lesson the hard way I didn't do anything quite that silly after that
2: wow wow I've got a few of those <laughs> myself <laughs> You said a few you have to have see yourself. yes yeah yeah we don't have enough time on the show
0: but I, I know I and you to... can't get those moments back can we so um... no no exactly. well last question
2: and then we'll go ahead and close it down
0: What has been the best piece of advice that you have ever received? That's a good one. I would say to surround myself with a variety of people, including people that don't think like me. And I am even guilty of it sometimes. There's comfort in being around people that think like you, have certain interests, want to approach things the same way, or just have similar viewpoints. But it's actually the best eye-opener to get the opinions of people that are different than you and think differently. And I certainly have done that much more in my more recent life. And it's a huge difference because it's going to force you to think differently and learn something. And so that was great advice. Don't get stuck in your comfort zone. And again, entertain other thoughts and different ways of doing things. That is good advice.
2: That is good advice for our audience, for this podcast, and just for these times we're in. So thank you. That really is on point. Well, thank you for sharing your time with us because I know scheduling between my schedule and your schedule, you're a busy person. (laughs) I know
0: know it was a feat. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for being flexible with me and letting me tweak the schedule a few times. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about my career and my company, William Sadley. And I admire what you're doing. I think it's a great thing, helping young people learn about different professions and, and different ways they can take their career. And so I commend you on your podcast series. And thank you again for including me.
2: Thank you very much.
0: I learned the most, and this
2: time it was about the arts, so thank you.
0: <laughs> we'll have to have a side conversation. We're going to schedule another call to talk.
2: Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Well, thank you again.
1: Well, that was my interview with Jocelyn Hill with Williams Adley & Company in Washington, D.C., And I have to just grin a little bit because I had no idea we were going to get into discussing the arts. That was just an extra bonus, a very refreshing bonus, actually. I really enjoyed that part of the program. But also, I find it fascinating the work they do at Williams Adley. If I were still working in accounting, that's something I would want to do. They're doing some very interesting work. I always appreciate a niche. I'm sure it's fascinating to many people, but I just personally found that very interesting. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Well, if there's anything I can do for you, as always, I know I mention this frequently, but feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very findable. Just look for Mark Goldman, CPA, very findable on LinkedIn. And if I can help you in any way with your own career, I'm always happy to do that. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. This has been Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. And as I always say, we'll see you next week. There's more to come.